All right, welcome to another edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford and AD Drew here, live and direct on uh, Halloween night. I am dressed up as a world champion, Drew. What are you dressed up as tonight? You, you can't recognize it by the mask. <laughs> I was going to, oh, I had a joke, but I said, no, let me not. <laughs> Oh, man. Hopefully uh, you guys are out there having a good time. Uh, we are here for a good time, not a long time. So uh, we got a lot to get into in tonight's show. I uh, want to thank you guys for tuning in and joining us wherever you are watching us. If you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you are. Make sure that, uh, especially if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, make sure you go ahead and, first off, like that page, subscribe to our page, subscribe to our channel, and then go, go ahead and give us a thumbs up as you're watching the show. And uh, make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at MyBCSN1, the number one. And then, of course, we want you to go download that Jericho Broadcast Network's app, on your Google and Apple Play Store, my JBN, my BCSN. Coming up on today's show, uh, Drew and I get a chance to kind of recap week number eight. Week it is week eight, right, Drew? Yeah, uh, week nine actually. Are you sure? Nine. Yes. I, I yes, because I, when I updated the information, I put everything into the column of week nine. Well, we see, okay, my, my, hold on, let me double check. Here. Yeah, you're right. Week nine. Yeah, week nine. So I just tweeted that out wrong. So my bad, people. Uh, it is week nine. Yeah, October 30th is week nine of the season, upcoming week 10 here. We're in the final quarter of the season, the final few weeks, uh, just a couple of weeks left in the uh, under, D2, under D1 divisions of uh, Division Two, meaning, and um, uh, NAIA. About three to four weeks left in the FCS. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to believe, Drew, that we are, we're at that point, man, um, where, you know, we, we look at this season and it's been an eventful season. It's, it's good to see people back. Um, I, I just, I, you know, I come away a little bit miffed when I, when I do think about it. I was in Tallahassee this weekend for uh, Florida A&M's homecoming. And uh, seeing the crowd, um, 
as someone said next to me, you know, it's great to see this many people in a pandemic. I, I don't know. I mean, we're sort of. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got the joke, but yeah, yeah, it, you know, it, it, it was. Um, so I, I thought, Drew, we would start the show and we just kind of go through our homecomings. I thought the homecomings were so significant last week. The fact that we had five teams lose on homecoming and five teams win. I thought we would kind of run through. We had six homecoming games this past week, and I, I thought we'd kind of start there. And then as we get into our show a little bit later, we've got some conversations that we'll have with uh, uh, L.A. Bachelor, who uh, does a show in the North Carolina region, covers – uh, a lot of the schools, I mean, there's so many schools in the North Carolina area from the MEAC, CIAA, as well as the Big South, all right there in the North Carolina region. Some interesting stories all the way around from on every level of the North Carolina state. And then a little bit later at the top of the second hour, we talked to a good friend Carlos Brown of the Carlos Brown Show. He's on cloud nine after Southern's big win responding to the critics, responding to the adversity of losing on homecoming by bouncing back with a big win over Alcorn State. So we will talk about that. But, Drew, uh, we had one, two, three, four, five, six. Six homecoming wins or six homecoming games over the weekend. Four wins, two losses. Of the two losses, one of them came down to uh, the final seconds of the ball game. One of them did not. Where would you like <laughs> to start, sir? Where would you like to start? I left my referee coin in the closet, Brian, so uh, I'm going to let you flip heads or tails. All right. I'm going to start with the loss that was not close. How about that? All I, right. I'm going to start with what they call the greatest homecoming on earth, at North Carolina AUT. The greatest home going on earth. I, I like that. The home going. Right. Right. So uh, in front of 21,500 people, that's the announced crowd. North Carolina AT had a nine-game homecoming streak coming into this contest, which, by the way, that's, an, that's a pretty impressive streak. Um, I, I don't know if there's uh, – can you recall anyone else having a streak similar – uh, in length like that. What was their streak again? Nine, nine. According to according to uh, the report that I read, it was a nine-game winning streak heading into this contest against Monmouth, their first Big South uh, contest, uh, first Big South homecoming contest. That's that's a long streak, almost. Uh, well. Almost as long as a streak is another streak that we are on the other end of. Uh, who's we? We Tuskegee? We fam you. Yeah, but it's not a homecoming streak. Okay. You'll have to fill me in because I'm trying to. Classic. Like, huh? Classic. Oh, 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 Jesus. Yeah, we're not. Okay, yeah. Good. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, Monmouth. Um, and look, Monmouth was the top team in the conference. They, they were the conference favorite of the Big South. Uh, they came into the ballgame with a 4-3 and three record, though. 
A&T three and four record. Monmouth held a 21 to 16 lead at the half. They ended up pulling out a 35 16 victory over North Carolina A&T. Uh, the Aggies were unable to score in that second half, despite you know the yardage. It, it was a fairly even ball game statistically. Total yardage, A&T, 332, Monmouth, 323. Uh, A&T rushing yards, uh, plus, uh, plus 40. Monmouth on the passing end was about plus 30. Penalties, A&T had twice as many penalties as Monmouth. So, I mean, you know, it, it's hard to try to say, you know, from a statistics, from the stats, where did this game come down? to, uh, you know, where did the rubber meet the road in this contest? Uh, How about a third-quarter drive? 15 plays, 87 yards by Monmouth with 3.06 to play. They chewed up nearly seven minutes a clock in the third quarter to take a 28-16 lead. And uh, uh, A&T just wasn't able to respond to it. Um, First home loss for North Carolina A&T since the September 28th 2018 game against Morgan State where they lost 16 to 13 that had stopped a seven game home winning streak so uh Drew I think we can pretty much write off as I saw one Aggie poster on Twitter state you can pretty much start getting ready by for recruiting now this season is over what are your thoughts on A&T the season uh everything in the build up to it the homecoming loss. What are your thoughts? Disappointing. Dis- disappointing is uh, what I would say this season has been for uh, for A and T. You know, they came in with these uh, with these high expectations. Yes, they were going to a new league, but this was A and T. This program was the class of HBCU football for the last five years and makes you wonder about HBCU football where we try to compete on a different level. I'm not going to say a a higher level, but on a different level. Are we adequately prepared, funded, you know, makes you go back and reevaluate your priorities. Do you want to be in that sphere and compete in that sphere if you do want to compete in that sphere, are you willing to do the things that it needs to do? And it's going to take A&T a couple of years to get the lay of the landscape in the Big South, which is, ironically, which is changing. So by the time A&T figures it out, the, the goalposts have shifted. Just ask Hampton. They've never had the same opponents in the, A&T, in, uh, the Big South since they have been there. That's a real good point that you bring up because, yeah, that right as you're going into that conference, that conference has shifted and changed. Next year, it won't be the same. I mean, obviously, Kennesaw State's in it now, but Kennesaw State. A lot of people in Big South could be glad about Kennesaw. (laughs) Yeah, it might open the door for A&T and Hampton to actually win that conference now. Ooh, did I just say that? Um, Yeah, so, you know, that I'm just – it's just interesting to kind of see – the, the, look, the, the Big South is dealing with the same thing that TSU is watching happen over in the OVC, where a lot of those members are shuffling and moving into other conferences 
and I mean, look, in, in the end, I, I don't look, I don't know where the end game is because there may be another shift that happens in another two years for for North Carolina AT. But uh I know it, it's got it's a disappointing season thus far. Uh when I look at the road ahead for AT. They still have to play at Charleston Southern. Uh, that's an opponent that they did beat in 2019. Then they play their old MEAC rival. They travel to South Carolina State. And then they finish the season at home against Gardner-Webb. Yeah. So despite being three and five, there's still an opportunity for a to finish six and five, which, call it like it is, disappointing for the fan base, I'm sure, but a chance to finish over 500. Yeah. And uh, when you think about it, Brian, you talk about the ever-shifting landscape. Every conference east of the Mississippi in actually in FBS and FCS seems to be shifting its its landscape and its uh, its membership. And as it under consideration – for what it needs to do to quote unquote keep up with the Joneses. Right. Yeah. Um let's let's quickly shift over to some of the other homecoming games. The uh the other homecoming loss belonged to Clark Atlanta, who took on Benedict uh in front of thirty seven hundred and fifty folks. They lost twenty four to twenty one. Uh, Benedict kicked a game-winning field goal from 17 yards out as time expired. So uh tough loss for Clark. Let's get into the W's. Let's get into the W's. Um, probably the, you know, obviously we'll get to FAMU in just a second, but I, I, I'd rather start with Tennessee State, Drew. Tennessee State coming into the contest with a record of 4-3 and three against 3-4 three and four Murray State. Uh, much had been talked about the attendance and, you know, Eddie George kind of making his feelings known that where was the Tennessee state faithful, you know, what I think the quote was, it felt like he, they were playing in front of nobody. Uh, where they were. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, and, and especially when you consider that's a, uh, what, 65,000 seat stadium. Right. 5,000 looks like 500. Yeah, well, it was more like 2,000, that 2,000 plus when he made that comment. So I'm sure those 2,000 folks kind of felt a little some kind of way. But anyway, uh, so what do you think the attendance was for the Tennessee State game? Uh, homecoming against Murray State. What do you, I mean, now, I, I'm assuming you did not see the numbers. So what do you think the number was? I, th- I, I, I did see the numbers. I think it came up to around, I think it was like 8,500 8, or somewhere up in there. 8,627 showed up to Nissan Stadium for Tennessee State's homecoming, which I had to I had to text my sister, who's a TSU alum. Now, she didn't go to homecoming, obviously, but um, I had to text her and say, where's y'all fan base at? Where, where is the Tennessee State fan base? Um, now, she shared with me that uh, from from her standpoint or I guess or from what alums are saying a lot of the older alums are kind of sitting out in the tailgates area uh some of the pricing around the stadium the parking has gone up apparently and uh there seems to be a large contingent of folks who want homecoming move back to campus 
back to Hale Stadium, you know. So all and, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they're supposed to happen next year, possibly. Say that again. I said, I think that's supposed to happen next year. I know they're doing some renovations to Hale Stadium. Uh, you got me. I don't, I don't know. I thought they had, I, you know, that might be the case. That may be why they moved all the games to Nissan this year. I know, I know sometimes they, they do a split with some games like, like homecoming games had drawn somewhere 18, 20 something thousand. Right. That'll stay at Nissan. Right. Well, I, look, 8,000 is pretty low for a team that's on the upswing. Tennessee state is on the upswing. They got a big win 27 to 21 victory over Murray state to improve the five and three. Uh, um, I believe that is the fourth win in a row. Yes. Fourth win, fourth win in a row, five overall. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, look that, and, and give some props to, you know, player of the week considerations, Jeremy Hitbottom, quarterback who had three rushing touchdowns, an 87 net yards rushing to go along with a passing touchdown in which he led uh, with the score tied at 21, led Tennessee State on an eight-play, 62-yard drive. This comes right after Murray State had tied the game up with 430 to play. He leads them on that drive, gets the victory. Uh, and, and this is one of those cases, Drew. Tennessee State was outgained by about 50 yards, 378 to 321. Uh, Murray State ran about 20 more plays, time of possession by about 15 more minutes to Murray State. But Murray State failed on two extra, uh, field goal attempts. Um, Tennessee State did get one interception. Um, and, and just to overall credit, find a way to win on homecoming was the nature of that contest. Big praise and props to Eddie George, Jeremy Hickbottom, uh, that Tennessee State program, man. They're, they're going in the right direction. And now they are tied in second place in the OVC. And next week they play UT Martin, who is unbeaten in conference, 7-1 overall. They won seven in a row for first place. That's where Eddie George has them, sitting right there with an opportunity to play for first place. What are your, what are your, what are your takes or thoughts on Tennessee State, Drew? This, uh, this Tennessee – Tennessee State team. If you remember when I went back and told you about uh, the Massey ratings at the beginning of the season, that Tennessee State actually was the number one team at that point in time in the Massey ratings preseason. So based on their conference schedule and some of the talent that they had there, you know, Tennessee State was expected to do good. Yes, it took Eddie George a minute to get loose, to figure everything out. They had to feel Eddie George out. Eddie George had to feel out the uh, the players. But, you know, they're on the roll. And if Tennessee State would have picked up one of those early division, excuse me, FCS wins, we may be talking about Tennessee State trying to get into the playoffs ahead of Florida A&M. Yeah, well. You know, it, what, what I what I like about what you see from Tennessee State is that they have sort of they're starting to buy into <clears throat> the coaching from Coach George. And they seem to be uh, look, I, I thought there, there's a reason why this team had one of the most recognized group of players 
and the preseason um what is it the preseason uh what they call the accolades or awards yes the first team second team in the ovc i mean next to conference favorite uh i forgot who the conference favorite i thought i thought murray state was the conference favorite to be honest but uh next to the conference favorite tennessee state had nine guys on the first or second team preseason so there was talent there it just had to you know coach george and his staff had to get you they didn't have as much time as coach Sanders. And that was one of the things, you know, you saw a lot of people complaining early on expecting Eddie George to cut out the box and do what Deion Sanders was doing. Well, it was hard to compare. Don't forget Deion had a spring. He had a spring football season, you know, live bullets. Uh, and, and, and Eddie George didn't have that, you know, uh, hell Eddie George. I don't even think he had spring practices. No. <laughs> so, yeah. So he didn't even have spring practices. Rob Broadway was still there. Yeah, exactly. So uh, th- this team was still finding itself. And so, look, uh, props to Tennessee State. Um, very quickly, a couple other homecoming. We, we want to take this break right quick. We've got our next guest waiting. Well, let me, let's finish the segment here. Okay. Homecomings real quick here. Johnson C. Smith got a 34-13 win over St. Aug for their first win of the season. By default, someone had to win that game. Exactly. By rule. But, hey, it should be the team on homecoming. Uh, here's the interesting stat number for you, Drew. Johnson C. Smith had more offensive yard, more total yards from offense than the number of people in attendance. Four hundred. <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but by I did not I did not say that as a negative to be mean or anything or to be negative, but your laughter there uh, is kind of hilarious. That was not a stat that I was anticipating to, to have for discussion. Well, I look, I, I'm just going off the numbers. I, I just read them. I just, I just see them and I read them. 490 yards of total offense by Johnson C. Smith. Uh, props to Antonio Wallace, the quarterback who had four touchdown passes, 487 people in attendance. So, I mean, what do you expect, Drew? I mean, uh, two winless teams, homecoming, you know, it is what it is. Allen University with a 32-25 victory over Columbus State in front of 1,238 fans. Uh, David Wright, quarterback for Allen, listen to these numbers, 23 of 31, 273 yards passing, four touchdowns, one interception, then he ran for 11 carries with 104 net yards. Nice day for Mr. Allen. Last but not least, in Tallahassee, Florida, FAMU gets a conference win over Grambling, 26-3, in front of 31,887 people. I'll, although, Drew, listen, when you look at that number, I just wonder, was somebody – with somebody having a little fun with the numbers, I mean, think about it. Three, one, eight, eight, seven. With those last four digits. I mean, come on. Let's go to break on that one, Brian. Let's put a pin in FAMU because we know we got some stuff we got to talk about FAMU Grantley. Three, one. I, I called it. I called it. Eddie Rattler loved that would catch that. You caught that, right? So FAMU, 
improves to six and two with a 26 to three win over Grambling. I trust me, not a lot of happy Grambling state administrators, football coaches, players. And it wasn't just because of the stuff during the game. Well, there was some of that, but some of the stuff before, during, in the game, uh, trust me, it drew a lot of criticism from some Grambling state folks. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Coming up after the break, Ellie Bachelor is going to join us, and we're going to get a chance to talk to him about some of the big storylines coming out of the North Carolina region. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back right after these words. True Black Essentials is a retail opportunity to bring black businesses under one roof where every product on every shelf and every aisle will be black owned and black produced by people all over the world. Statistics show that the $1.3 trillion of spending power that we have as black people can easily be turned into each black person having $2 million if we were to shop black for two years. So True Black Essentials will launch an e-commerce store on November 1st, 2020, but we will open up brick and mortar stores in Atlanta, New Orleans, Charlotte, Houston, and Jacksonville with the very first store opening in Atlanta, June 19th, 2021. the show where we take you inside the game before the game begins. It's, it's the, the pregame. pregame. With your host, Charles Bishop and Neely. So get ready because we pregame harder than the other show's party. It's the pregame. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Your ad could be ran here. myjbn.com backslash support myjbn.com backslash support for more information bounty versus the old family dish towel drying with a fresh sheet of bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue so ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene bounty the quicker picker upper
Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Shop Melbourne Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melbourne Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.m-e-l-v-e-t-b-o-u-t-i-q-u-e.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melbourne Online Women's Boutique. Welcome back to the BCSM Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford, AD Drew here. And joining us on the phone right now, the host of The Bachelor Report, Mr. L.A. Bachelor. How you doing, sir? Good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Good to be with you. The ba- Bachelor News Radio Show, but it's all good. It's, you know, same thing. <laughs> I got you. Bachelor News Radio Show. All right. Yes, sir. Uh, all right. So look, we 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 know that uh, with, with you in the Carolinas, there's a lot of interesting storylines. <coughs> excuse me, coming out of that area, and I, and I guess let's start with one of the where where we started in the last segment with North Carolina A and T uh, homecoming, greatest homecoming on earth is what they call it. Twenty one thousand five hundred showed up. The Aggies lose nine game winning streak on homecoming i was asking drew is that that sounds like one of the long it sounds like a very long streak i, I mean i i mean let's be real i i don't know did you recall somebody else having a similar similarly long homecoming streak um i don't uh hbc wise i i, I don't and pick it up and i just think that you know, AD it, it came on the show and we were talking about, you know, you know, should they have um uh scheduled mammoth and in their homecoming. And I, I, I thought it was an ugly look anyway. I mean you can't really control if you're in this in this PWI conference. So, you know, you really don't have a lot of control over that. But I, I ju- it wasn't a good look and you know, as AD clearly pointed out, it's a great point. Like, it might be 21,000, but how many in the stadium? And then, you know, are you going to win? And they got shellacked. Um, they haven't played well uh, much of the year, you know, to beat Central. And they've struggled since. They've won some, they've won some conference games, yeah, no doubt. But they've struggled a lot. And to come out, you know, with the 21,000, in and out, whatever, 35-16 is not a good look. Um, and for me, you know, we're we're all in this 
HBCU Sports Media Association of voting, you know, them and AM wouldn't have been in my top 10 anyway. Even going into this game, they wouldn't have been in my top 10. Because, I mean, you got some teams that may have losing records, but it's the way, it's that style, it's the way you look when you're losing. And and A&T hasn't really looked healthy in, in a football sense in four or five weeks. They, um, A&T had, you know, just looking at their, they've lost now three in a row in the conference, uh, including to Hampton. But prior to that, they were, had they had won three in a row coming off the Duke game. And I think a lot of people started drinking the, the Aggie juice. Uh, <laughs> and, and you mentioned the poll. They all of a sudden had shot up to somewhere like four or five. And I was like. I think they had got to highest three on, on, yeah, on some so polls. Yeah, slow yeah. your roll. Slow your roll, for real. Slow your yeah, roll. A lot of people drinking the juice. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people drinking the juice. Uh, what do you? What ails this Aggie team? Uh, and and do you see or foresee this team finishing the season above five hundred? Ooh, so they they're inconsistent offensively. Defensively, they have some injury, uh, some 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 issues. I know they've had some injuries, in particular in their. Uh, on the offense, but I just didn't see this squad being that good. Like, you know, I, in, in this conference and this particular year, uh, I, I thought Hampton would beat them. And, you know, it's just, they didn't come across as this Aggie team that will be good running a football like we've known. And, you know, there, there's long of the Tyreek, Tyreek, uh, you uh what do you call it um if if you guys tell me this his last name uh, You're about right Tyree Cohen yeah. right is it's long for the days of those type of multi dynamic type of players and so I just didn't see them I saw them maybe winning five games but that's where I saw them five six so I'm I wouldn't be surprised if they finish under five hundred um if if they can't beat Mammoth and Mammoth got blown out a couple of times, or certainly got beat in in the conference, then we'll see. Um, but I I just didn't expect a lot of what I don't know what people were saying and thinking and even voting with this Aggie football team. I just didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew. All right, LA. So. There's more than A and T in uh, in North Carolina. What about some of the what about Central and some of the CIAA teams there? What are you hearing from the people in your uh, area about those uh, particular teams? Well, Central is you know a lot of people here have thought that maybe they took a step back and and it was a surprise, but again. Um, when you look at their uh, their roster, uh, they're very young, in particular up front and um, on offense. So I wasn't surprised Central would struggle a little bit. Uh, certainly, uh, I didn't think they would be A and T, and certainly A and T took them out. Um, but again, that's not that's like being the world's tallest midget. Like that's not you know you you know what I mean. Like you you're losing to. To uh, you're losing to A and T and A and T struggling, so that means you just struggle against a struggle. Um, so I didn't really expect 
much of that. Um, Sean's a team really that I underestimated respectfully. And I said that to coach, I've had coach uh, on my, my show and just gave them love. Like I just didn't think that this year they would be as good as they could be, especially on a the road. They played really good on a the road. They, they barely lost games in, in, in Fayetteville state. And you look at their season now, they, they, they end up, you know, when a, with a winless St. Aug team and you expected to win that. And I just didn't see, you know, that they would, you know, have six, six wins, seven wins on the year. Uh, but they've certainly coached to give credit to, um, to coach in, in terms of getting him ready and playing to me above where I thought their expectations would be. And they've got it done. Um, you know, John C. Smith and, and, and St. Aug are who they are. Uh, certainly they in rebuilding process. I, I thought John C. Smith would maybe have a couple more ones. I certainly thought with, with St. Aug with what 55 freshmen or uh, on their roster that they, they would struggle and, and, and they have, they have. Uh, right. And they have right. Going into this game against Shaw to try to at least, you know, beat their rival. Um, but, you know, with John C. Smith and Shaw, uh, Winston-Salem State is where I thought they would be, again, with the interim tag on their coach and what direction they're going to go in. And Fayetteville State is Fayetteville State. So, you know, in the end, um, Carolina-wise and CIAA-wise, even in the big picture, I think we're, we're, we thought everybody would be. It'd be Fayetteville State and Bowie State uh, playing out in Virginia for the championship. And the interesting part of it is, and, and AD, you, you pointed this out and it makes a lot of sense from the body of HBCUs is good. If Fayetteville state beats Bowie. So then you get an extra team seemingly ideally into the playoffs. Yeah. Now let me ask you this. LA. You mentioned Shaw. Shaw will probably wind up a very respectable seven and three this season. They're five and three currently. But when I look at Shaw, A, they can't get over that Fayetteville hump. B, they can't beat anybody outside of HBCU football. Uh, and really, right now, they can't beat anybody out of the CIAA South, it seems like. So what do you think is going to, is it going to take for Shaw to finally get over that hump and get back to one of those blue blood programs that we talk about in HBCU football? You know, they have a lot of, <coughs> excuse me, great alum that believe in a football program. Remember football just coming back most recently. And I, I just think that it's going to take some recruits. Now, you know, again, I didn't expect him, you know, to win. I, I thought maybe five games. If they go above and beyond, that's good. Um, but I think Coach Jones got him going in the right direction. I just think he needs another solid class. Um, and, you know, they have to. You're right. Like, the standard right now is they have got to beat Fayetteville State. That that's where it is. They had them on the ropes. They had a chance. They didn't get it done. Um, you know, Raleigh wise did a big kid on the block. 
you know, they'll beat St. Aug because you know, they're further ahead. But they have to get past Winston-Salem, uh, which they did, and in Fayetteville State to, to be in that conversation. Once they get to that conversation, then there's a different dynamic to it. But I do think that Coach Jones has got them going in the right direction. I think that if he can get another, uh, you know, better recruiting class, especially um, offensively, uh, I, I think that, you know, they maybe they're in a conversation. Maybe they, you know, they they take care of business. You know, we see what, you know, Bowie State is doing in the north. If Shaw can get past Fayetteville State, you know, then – you know, the sky's the limit, then that recruiting class gets even better. But if they can get a, a, a solid class moving forward, get another quality year moving forward, um, then who knows? But, you know, the key is, you know, beating Fayetteville State and, and getting over that hump. Uh, sp- speaking of Fayetteville State and, you know, uh, winners of now their fourth straight CIAA Southern Division title, uh, I, I've been very critical. I'm sure a lot of people have of the CIAA South. I mean, I mean, unfortunately, it is what it is for Fayetteville State. Right. Uh, but you know, credit to uh, uh, Coach Hayes. Uh, they they have they have dominated that. Now they run. They you know they they've lost to Bowie the last two years. But you know, I, statistically, this Fayetteville State defense is on par defensively, statistically speaking, with Bowie, um, number three in the nation in total defense. What is Fayetteville State going to have to do this particular season or this championship round, round number three with Bowie, in order to get a win? I mean, is this Coach Hayes' best Fayetteville State team, in your opinion? Defensively, probably. Um I would say certainly they they definitely have uh, uh, performed better. But let me uh, a couple of things. I I think that, and I've been at a couple of the games. I was at the Shaw game. I was at the St. Aug game. And offensively, they've started. I haven't seen some of the other ones, but offensively, they've started slow. And you can't start slow against Bowie State uh, because they'll get after you. And Bowie State's one of those teams, Coach Wilson, like they'll beat you in a lot of ways. If you score points, they'll outscore you. If, if, if like you, Shawan saw, you know, you come in dropping 50 plus or whatever, they shut you down offensively. So you have to really be on your A game to beat this team. And I, I like um, their quarterback. At Fayetteville State, although, again, even in the St. Aug game, and I was telling AD, like, who's the who's the winless team and who's the team leading the South in, in the start of that game? They just came out to a slow start. You can't do that. So I think Fayetteville State defensively can get at it. I'm concerned more about their offense starting off the right way. Um, you you just got to be able to – Bowie's very physical. Both teams are very big. And physical, but Bowie is one of those. They'll try to bully you right away, and 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 so that's my concern with Fayetteville State going in that game. Look, it, they have to make sure that they're they're mentally and physically ready to go toe to toe with Bowie. That they, they've seen this team, they know this team. 
um, I'm just more concerned about their slow starts on offense rather than the way they can get at you on defense. Because if they, if you start slow with Bowie, Bowie will, you know, they'll smell blood in the water and they'll keep coming at you. And, and then you put your defense at a disadvantage um, if you're playing from behind. You don't want to play behind against Bowie, in my opinion. All right. L.A., my last question before we get you out of here is you're there in North Carolina. Every team not named Fayetteville State has nothing to play for at this point in time. So you're in CIAA country. You're in BAC country, which are, which everybody considers basketball conferences anyway. What's the, what, what's the vibe going on as people are starting to shift gears it's a round ball. Oh, it's all about central. Definitely. Basketball wise. You know, they got one of the, I mean, forget MIAC, forget HBCU. They have one of the best coaches in the country. We know this in Lavelle. Um, so they, for, for basketball at, at that level, it's all about uh, central and what, the expectations are certainly you look at that conference. You certainly look at, you know, um, departures and things of that nature, but it's, it's really about central. And then, you know, um, you know, Kim Bowie, which has always been in the mix on the CIAA standpoint, you know, do it with, with the, the transition from Charlotte to Baltimore um, certainly you look at the Rams, certainly you look at, um, uh, a St. Aug, you look at the Virginia schools with coach blow and, and what they've done in terms of, of basketball on the men's side, you, you always have to look at, um, you know, uh, what Shaw can do. I mean, on the women's side, it's just like Shaw can do. You certainly look at, um, you know, in, in the, in the women's side and Howard. So there, there, there's a lot of matchups. I think though, the, the favorite in terms of Durham, in terms of, uh, of Carolina on the men's side is, you know, a lot of people are looking to center on what they can do. Um, even when they have down years, they're always looking at Lavelle. Okay. What is he, who's he going to beat this time? Like he's beating everybody, Duke and Carolina and, and and lost a couple of uh, you know closer games in FCS and uh, and I mean in, in major polls, um, and then you look at the Bowies um, and the Winston Salem States, uh, the St. Augs and Shaws, uh, depending upon the Howards uh, on the women's side, depending upon what's going on and what they can do because especially MEAC, we've seen both in the men and women upsets, whether it be Maryland, whether it be Duke or whatever, um, we've seen those those programs um, take to the brink and actually win. So people are very excited about Central around here because Central, you got Lavelle, people are expecting, you know, you can get as high as an 11th seed in in a tournament, you win that tournament um, outside of Morgan State and and, and some of the other schools in the MEAC uh, on the men's side, 
but you like the expectations is that Central is going to be again one of the dominant uh, schools in this conference and do well in postseason. And certainly, when you look at Bowie and you look at some of the other schools there, um, and, and by the way, outside of <laughs> of the CIAA and of this area, uh, I've I've heard a lot and know a lot of people talking about Texas Southern um, and in the SWAC uh, and and Southern as well. So there's a lot of excitement. I think COVID has shut down a lot, but people are kind of feeling like COVID's going away in, in a sense, and they're very excited to get back to to watch some great basketball, and and certainly Central kind of, you know, kind of starts that whole conversation. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully, hopefully, folks will get out and go support those programs. I, I hope this the, the crowds that we've seen and are seeing during football season hopefully will bleed over onto the uh, basketball arenas and gymnasiums because uh, those are um, those are some great crowds and great student sections a lot of support from uh, whether it's a CIAA contest or one of those uh, MIAC contests uh, with North Carolina Central. LA, hey guys, can, uh, I we... just, can I just add to real quick like with sure, covering yeah. them covering being in Norfolk for the MIAC and and being in Charlotte and Baltimore for the CIAA, I mean, and AD, like I said, he hit it when he was on my show. I mean, actually go to the games. Like, if you're an alum of the school, go to the game. Like, when you were balling at that school, you wanted people to come out and support you. Come support. It's not all about tailgating. I get it. I get the tailgating, the camaraderie. You ain't seen your classmate and whatever and all that good stuff and the food. I get it. I get it. But go in the stadium, especially the women's game. Can you support? Can you sit down for one game, please? Can we do that? Amen. We do that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, really. And then, you know, you guys could talk about Tuskegee and the band and the and uh, they're, you know, saying, hey, we're not, you know, we come out of the pocket to pay food. And no, I mean, it's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Can we just support our HBCUs? Can we just do it? I mean, Amen. really. Well That's said. Well saying. said. Hey, LA, let uh let people know how they can uh reach out to you and uh when they can catch your show. So the show is on Monday and Thursday. Um you can listen um to the rebroadcast and the live broadcast at the T H E Bachelor B A T C H E L O R the Bachelor News Airtime Pro. Also, if you're on my e blast or e list. Uh, I send out a link for StreamYard. I know AD has been on there where you can watch and listen to the show on StreamYard. So if you're on our email list, you can do that. Uh, that's labachelor40 at gmail.com. But live on Mondays and Thursdays, again, if you miss the broadcast, the broadcast live and the rebroadcast is the same website at 6 p.m. and 8 p.m., 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern, Monday and Thursday at the bachelornews.airtime.pro and listen god bless man i really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity man hey uh we appreciate you coming on and uh anytime we can uh you know show some love or promote let us know we would gladly do it gladly do it and keep Um, doing what you're doing too keep doing what you're doing i mean please keep doing what you're doing because people need to to have that to, to know what's up and have 
the exposure that you're giving. You guys do a quality job, and I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it. it. Sure. Hey, yes, sir. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back, and uh, we'll get into uh, – we've got another guest coming up, uh, Carlos Brown, so we'll get a chance to talk to him. On the other side, you're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way. You consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. You see, Head & Shoulders has a scalp shield technology protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders scalp shield. Never not working. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford and A.D. Drew here and joining us, uh, a, a proud and happy man because he did not have to go on a hunger strike. Uh, the host of the Carlos Brown Show, it is the one and only Carlos Brown. Carlos, how you feeling? I'm feeling great. You know, there's a rule uh, with the football team, a 24-hour rule. Well, I'm extending mine for a 48-hour rule. So I, I'm happy. And I'm not going on the hunger strike. That's the most important thing. <laughs> so, so, so the question is, Carlos, what did you partake in since you? First of all, what was your last meal before the game? Before you so, in case you had to go on the hunger, hunger strike, and then what did you eat knowing that you did not have to go on the hunger, hunger strike? The, the the meal before the game was uh, some salmon. And uh, some mixed vegetables, you know, kind of on that health kick now since uh, December 2020. But then uh, celebration in, in conjunction, and actually Southern gave me one of the best birthday presents, um, defeating all corn state. So I celebrated with uh, a, a grilled pork chop and uh, some garlic mashed potatoes and a Caesar salad. So uh, I'm happy. I'm content. 
Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And, I, and that's, that's another thing. Happy happy birthday to you. Uh, so, I mean, uh, uh, this past weekend. So, I mean, it just, uh, man, just talk about a great weekend overall for uh, Carlos, man. Uh, so, let's get into it, man. This this uh, this game, uh, it I think it lived up to the expectation. Was probably the best game on the board, the most anticipated game. Um, you know, I, looking at it, it went back and forth, and I mean, a pretty much statistically an even ball game. Uh, what 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 played out as you thought, uh, and what kind of went a little bit different than what you thought. Well, first and foremost, I, I want to say uh, all praise be to uh, B.J. Jones. He was on the Coles Brown show this past uh, Saturday, and he picked Southern. He said they were going to shock the world. And uh, unfortunately, I'm glad I was wrong. I picked uh, Alcorn State to 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 win. But for Southern University, it just simply was a very gutsy win. And they were able to uh, third down conversions. 14 of 20, Bubba McDaniels did a lot of that with his legs. And, and I think that kind of caught Alcorn State by surprise. And um, McDaniels did well. Southern was able to run the football, and they were able to pass it as well because the week before against Prairie View and them, they, they were one-dimensional, and Prairie View kind of contained Southern's running game. But you, you look at this ball game, it had everything back and forth. Uh, big plays, uh, penalties that kept drives going. But for, for Southern, uh, defensively, they were able to do just enough to get a victory. They had a big goal line stand on fourth down. And then Southern uh, comes back, and, and Luke, I, I'm going to call him Luke Ice Jackson, kicks a 47-yard okay. field goal to win it. And he probably had another five or six yards on that, and he's and he's a freshman. He's a freshman, so um, you know the stadium went nuts. Um, Southern last time they defeated Alcorn State was 2016, so it's been five years. And you know, former coach Odom's at Southern. He was the coach for the last victory, so it's only been about three victories uh, combined for some time. And Coach Rollins, as much heat as he took, and rightfully so. I was one of the ones that uh, was upset about that homecoming uh, loss. He was able, in his first time facing the nemesis, the boogeyman, Alcorn State, and he wins it. So, so speaking of Coach Rollins, Carlos, you're, you're Southern alum. You know a lot of alums in this area. We have to ask this question. Does that victory get him off the hot seat? Or does that just pour a little bit of water on the seat right now? It takes it from hot to to lukewarm, uh, as as far as you're concerned. My humble opinion, I think the seat is still hot. Um, fam, you, Brian, you'll be happy to know that they're coming to Baton Rouge Saturday. If Southern can get a victory Saturday, and if Coach Rollins wins out, then I. I I believe he's back with some changes on, on the staff. But uh, this sort of football team has been consistently inconsistent. And, you know, they've underachieved. They've lost a the game like the Texas Southern, and they came back and had a, a dominant performance against Pine Bluff. Then they lose by uh, 
by what, 27 points for homecoming. Then they come back and defeat Alcorn State by three. So which Southern team shows up very talented, but they have underachieved so far this season? Well, we know uh, we got two votes for which Southern team we want to see uh, at home on this Saturday. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, that's right. AD, you're a FAMU graduate as well. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, it's, it is interesting talking about uh, <laughs> talking about Coach Rollins. Uh, sorry, my, my studio outside my door. I'm like somebody a little distracted there. I'm like, okay, make sure my the uh sorry <laughs> i'm like just making sure my house isn't falling down the uh the, you know this is an important stretch here you've got the Alcorn, you've got prairie view Alcorn state fam jackson state who i believe are the four top teams in this conference so all of that and you got three of those four or no check that all four in your backyard oh. right so uh, but i i want you to talk about the final drive so as we talk about coach rollins i I love the fact that he goes into that final drive, tie ball game, a minute left. He's got all three timeouts. You know, my big thing is we, how many times do we see coaches make bad decisions? We see it all the time in football, using timeouts unnecessarily. He had all three timeouts and used them to set up that game-winning field goal. I, talk a little bit about that final drive, Carlos, and, and what you liked about what you saw. Well, Game management, I think that's what you're talking about, having all of your timeouts, and that and that's huge. But let me go back, and, and there were some questions. You know, I, I do have some old Cornites uh, that follow the show and friends, and they uh, thought it was a big mistake for Alcorn to kind of pooch kick after they've just taken all of the momentum with that late touchdown and then the two-point conversion. So – Southern has a, uh, a shorter field, and they don't have to drive the length of the field. But it was a, a great management by Coach Rogers and the staff. And what I saw also was um, Bubba McDaniels didn't make any bad throws. He, he also had uh, a couple of plays with his legs. And they were able to get down into what we would call a long field goal range. And then they ran another play to the line of right in between the hashes. And then, you know, Luke Jackson, and I thought maybe Alcorn was going to, I'm not sure about their timeout uh, situation, but I, I thought they would, would ice or try to ice Luke ice Jackson, but they didn't, and, and, and he nailed it. But game, game management, they didn't panic, and they utilized their time very wisely to, to drive enough to put themselves in position to win and, and, and Southern got the win. Speaking of the uh, momentum in that game, I sat and I saw that momentum swing so many times in, in that game. From and, and, and I don't know if it was mistakes by the by the one team or the other team just played good because you saw the fumble early in the game. Down, down in the red zone that, that, that led to points. You saw the bit snap on the PAT and there, there was so many things and it was like two boxes just kept, kept throwing jabs. Yeah, you made a mistake. You caught me with that one. You caught me with that left hook, but I got this right cross coming back at you. And it looked like those teams went back and forth and back and forth. 
what did you see as far as those momentum swings? And was it teams making mistakes or the other teams just being that good? Well, I think it was a little bit of both, some 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 big plays. And if you remember, Alcorn's opening drive, uh, they went straight down the field and they threw a pass. I believe it was Pringle. He he caught the ball and then a great defensive play by the Southern University defensive back to knock the ball loose. And I thought it was going to go out of bounds, but it didn't. So uh, Southern gets takes the momentum from Alcorn on that first drive. Then – if you look at the game, uh, and earlier I talked about making some plays Southern did on third down situations, 14 or 20, but also Alcorn made some um, big plays on, on third downs because Southern defense were kind of struggling on some on third and eights and third and nines, but some some, some big plays by both teams um, offensively, and, and, and some were just great coverages, but, you know, the teams made outstanding plays, so – uh, you're right. Back and forth. It was like a heavyweight battle. That that back and forth segment for anybody who did not go watch the game, I, I would strongly encourage you to go find it, whether it's the full version or the condensed version, because there's a stretch. <laughs> there's a stretch from the second quarter um, into the fourth quarter where there were, and I count them here, seven, seven drives, all touchdowns, back and forth, Southern, Alcorn, Southern, Alcorn, Southern, Alcorn. I mean, it just went back and forth for seven consecutive drives. And you're just thinking, oh, my gosh, what, you know, who's going to come out on top in this? And I'm not talking, I'm talking, excuse me, I'm talking good drives, eight-play drives, 16-play drives, nine plays, 12 plays, eight, seven. I mean, it, it wasn't like, hey, it wasn't like that uh, – the uh, which game was it? The uh, the beginning of the year, the A and M South Carolina State game. That game where it seemed like you know five plays score, three plays score. No, this this was like sustained drives. But like you said, heavyweight fight that just went fifteen rounds back in the day when they had fifteen round heavyweight. Fights. <laughs> so you dated yourself on that one, Brian. I, well, look, I I barely remember them, so I just I just know they you know they just were there, you know. Um, so Car- spinning it forward, Carlos, here comes FAMU. Um, you know, uh, what, what do you, you know, and I know you're still on your 48-hour rule, so, I mean, you're not ready. You may not be ready to start looking ahead, but uh, I, I know Coach Rollins is, you know, uh, they're already starting to look at film for FAMU. Where does this team, where does this team have to go? Where do they have to be? Who do they have to be in order <laughs> to be able to beat FAMU on Saturday? Well, yeah, yeah. For for Southern, the twenty four hour rule is in effect. Now you have a talented FAMU uh, football team coming coming in, and, and especially defensively. And I was able to uh, watch FAMU's homecoming against Grambling State, and, and that defense um, is it, pretty doggone good. Now, and offensively, they seem that they've gotten better. They kind of settled on on the quarterback, and, and, but but defensive, you've got to be impressed with FAMU, and it's going to be interesting. The early look at this ball game, will Southern University be able to run against FAMU's defense? If if, if Southern's able to do that, then they, they have a chance. Also with Southern, you've got to look at maybe, and you saw this against Alcorn, uh, I want to say the first play of the game, at least for Southern when they had the ball, 
um, they came out and, and passed. So in, in most cases, you set up the pass by the running game, but Southern University runs the ball so well, they try to set up their passing game with their run game. But make no mistake about it, FAMU is going to be a tough opponent. Defensively, they're better than Alcorn's defense. And then offensively, maybe not as explosive, but not bad at all. They've improved. So um, Southern, I don't believe they can get into a, a high-scoring affair. But, look, they scored 38 points against Alcorn State. But, but I don't I don't think 38 points will be scored against FAMU. I, I really don't, guys. Mm-hmm. All right, Carlos, we spun it forward to next week. I need you to spin it forward to the end of November. Bayou Classic. Now, I'm not just asking you about the game and everything else. It's too early to start getting into the game. But my question is, A, with given the that Southern would not have anything to play for as far as possibly winning the uh, SWAC championship, number one, giving Grambling having a, another down season. A, will people show up? Uh, we, we know the faithful alum will show up, but will the casual fans still show up to the Bayou Classic, number one? And number two, what type of atmosphere do you expect around the Bayou Classic? Because for the first time in probably forever that I can remember where neither team will be potentially playing for a share of the West title. Yeah, you're right. You know, the last few years, the Western Division title was at stake. Uh, but to, to to answer your first two questions, um, yes, I, I believe it's, it's going to be a, a nice crowd. I'm going to say anywhere from 55 to 60,000 being the point uh, the point being, uh, last year they played this the Bayou Classic in Shreveport. So now getting back into uh, New Orleans the first time since uh, Shreveport, I think the fans are going to be excited. Both teams, look, I've seen years ago when Grandma State had already you know, had a winning season, they were champions, Southern came in, and that was Southern Super Bowl, if I can use that analogy. For Grandma State, I think it's going to be the same thing. And since both teams uh, are not playing for a Western Division title, I think it's going to add a little more excitement to the game, believe it or not, because uh, that game scares me like FAMU, Jackson State, because Grandma has nothing to lose. Southern has nothing to lose, but especially Grandma. And um, I, I think it's going to be a barn burner. But um, I, I think the atmosphere, the crowd will be there. Now, will it be 70-plus thousand? I don't think so. But, but again, I think 55 to 60, maybe 65,000. But that still will be a, a great showing and, and for, for the Bayou Classic. Got to ask a follow-up about this Bayou Classic. Since neither one of these teams will be potentially playing for anything, will either one of these coaches – Neither or both be potentially playing for their job where that victory can keep them around or flip it on the other side it, where no matter what's the outcome of the Bayou Classic, win, lose, or draw, the decision will already be made for these coaches at that game. 
You know, that's interesting, uh, A.D., because if you talk to some in the Jaguar Nation, it, it, it doesn't matter win or, 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 or loss. They could be opening up the, the coaching search. But then you talk to some that believe that if Coach Ronald wins out, because the team was set. They were built for a championship. They're talented, and they've underachieved. But some believe that, hey, if he wins out, he'll, he'll he'll be back. And then you heard some rumblings about, you know, with Coach Fobb. So it, it could be another um, uh, equation to it. Maybe both coaches may not be back. But um, we, we shall see. My personal opinion, I think Southern University will move on unless Coach Rollins wins out. Nice guy. Very good guy, was a great defensive coordinator at um, University of Texas San Antonio. And, you know, and and sometimes your niche may be as a defensive coordinator. They Southern put the interim tag on Coach Rollins, so they have some flexibility um, if they want to continue. Let me throw something else out. Coach Rollins, let's say if he doesn't win out, but he defeats FAMU, loses Jackson State, and defeats Grambling. Then I believe that'll be something like six and five. Seven, yeah. I think that'd be seven and four. Well, no, if they went out, it'd be seven and four, right? Yeah. If they're four and four, but six and five, do you ask Coach Rollins, well, we will give you another shot, but you may have to make some changes in the staff. It, it, it's just a lot of different things that could go, but. Depends on who you talk to, you know, B.J. Jones, the football analyst for the Coles Brown show, he said Saturday, he, he just thought Southern will move and they should move in another direction. So it's a tough, situ- tough situation. And, you know, the thing is, when you look at, I mean, most fans are fanatics, alums, they like a winner, and not everybody can coach at a high-profile uh, place and it's a lot of expectations at Southern University, and sometimes with their own, they're tougher on their own. So we shall see. We shall see. Hey, um, Carlos. Uh, again, uh, let people know how they can reach you, how they can find out uh, where you're at, and then of course, uh, make sure to give the uh, show plugs uh, for uh, for the show. Well, the show is uh, uh, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on the Black College Sports Network. That's 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturdays. Um, The show is on all social media uh, outlets, Instagram, Twitter, uh, The Coles Brown Show, Facebook, The Coles Brown Show. Um, So you can always reach us that way. So we, we cover... Uh, I say we, but uh, I cover Southern University sports, SWAC athletics, mix in a little NBA and a little NFL. And um, coming up when basketball season starts, my basketball analyst, Coach Van Petaway, who's a who's a treasure. And by the way, um, journey well to Coach Lafayette Stribling, who passed away. And boy, you talk about not only an outstanding basketball coach, guys, but man, what a sharp dresser flamboyant 
I, I can tell you, I, I swear one time he had a, a aluminum fall colored suit, matching hat, socks, and shoes. But somebody told me, no, that was that was still gray. No, that wasn't still gray. It was a light, maybe silver. Maybe my eyes have uh, betrayed me in my middle age years. <laughs> but uh, journey well, rest well, Coach Lafayette Stribling. Hey man, uh, you know what I forgot to ask you? Did you and uh, did you and Charles have any friendly wagers on the contest? And and uh, did uh, uh, what will Charles have to uh, pay for that loss? <laughs> well, we didn't. But let me let me say this: Charles Edman went on the record saying this Southern game worried him. And as we text today, he said, "I told you." He said, "I would have felt better if Southern would have defeated Prairie View." This Southern game worried him, and now he's even worried about at Bethune Cookman this Saturday. They're flying in; it's an early game, but uh, I think Alcorn will bounce back. And boy, that Alcorn preview, and, and Alcorn has to win out. So, yes. um, you know, what? Southern is a spoiler now. Can you believe that? It, that's that's foreign to me. You know, well, us fan viewers are rooting for for Bethune to beat, excuse me, for Alcor to uh, lose to Bethune so that the pressure is off of Bethune come to Florida Classic where they won't come in extra motivated to beat us that uh, third Saturday in November. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Um, Bethune is the fan yeah, view only- what Alcorn uh, has been to Southern University. Correct. I'll, yes. I'll leave it at that. Boy, matchups. Whew, what was it? Eight, nine in a row? Nine, uh, nine in a row for us. But that was a that was the last decade, though. We we don't we don't really you know we're moving. <laughs> that was a, that we was got that in chains. Yeah, thankfully, thankfully we're into a new decade. Thankfully, yeah, but that family team is pretty good. Like I said, I saw them against Grambling State and uh, dominant defensively and. They they don't turn the ball over either offensively. They're efficient. Yeah, uh, I, I I hate to do this because I know we I thought we were going to close, but it just brings up another question, Carlos, because you you've been around the SWAT and you've seen the SWAT for 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 years. I'm curious about halftime protocols, especially home. Uh oh. I'm sorry. Hey I, hey I, hey I, hey, I, hey Brian Brian, let's do this. I, let's see, like hold up. Let's see if Carlos can stay around to the other side of the break. Yeah. Hey, can you come back another segment, Carlos? Yes. All right, let's take a break because I got to ask a question regarding homecoming protocols, a big issue that's come up, and I, I just want to hear his take before we move forward. So we'll come back after these words. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together we can be the change. This is Carlos Brown, letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. 
online at www.mybcsn.net and on the BCSN app available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your family. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app as we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Joining us is Carlos Brown of the Carlos Brown Show. And I asked Carlos to come back on because, look, it, it was on my mind and I, and I knew there was so much to talk about. I didn't want to... I wanted to focus in on the game, but look, we got Carlos, so we got him. But I've got to ask about halftime protocols at SWAT games, because especially during a homecoming. So I bring this up after having attended Florida A&M's homecoming with the Marching 100. Now, uh, whether people knew or did not know, Grambling State, the marching, uh, the famed Marching Tiger Band was supposed to come to that game. They had a death in the band. Uh, a band member passed away, apparently unexpectedly, mid-Wednesday uh, night or Thursday morning. They they sent out the announcement, did not make the trip. So that left just FAMU. FAMU historically has done halftime by themselves on homecoming. It is a long homecoming show, long show. 30 minutes was put on the clock, Carlos. First off, 30 minutes. Like, that's like Super Bowl halftime-esque, right? Uh- the standard, the, the normal halftime is 20. Let's let everybody understand that before you get into right. this discussion. Okay. So the normal is, even for homecoming, Carlos, right? The homecoming, even homecoming is 20. So somehow they got an extra 10 minutes, right? They still went a little bit long because Grambling started coming out, going through their little pregame in the last five minutes. They were on the sideline, ready at the 30-minute mark, 30 at the as as FAMU's band was still on the field after the clock went down. So my question, Carlos, has to do with, I know, as Dr. Cavill will say, we are catering to different segments of crowds and fans at these HBCU games. What is the protocol that you've seen? What is the expectation from your thoughts and standpoint when it comes to homecoming and halftime shows? Well, AD brought it up, and, and I've seen some cases at A.W. Mumford Stadium, um, homecoming, just non-homecoming games. It's 20 minutes, you're right. And um, most of the time, the band, the, the opponents or the other band, they're going to come, they're going to get 10 minutes, and then Southern gets 10 minutes. But on occasion, Southern has gone over their time, and – uh, a flag has been thrown. So, um, fam, you get in 30 minutes, that's that's 10 minutes over. And then 
they're by themselves. I think the proper protocol was was carried out. I mean, but I, I guess was it worth it for fam fam you? And, uh, and this was a this was a TV game. Let's not forget that, right? ESPN Plus. So, so TV games are already long to start with, right? Um, from the outside looking in, I, I think fam you you should have catered their performance to. 20 minutes. But, I mean, but you get 10 extra minutes and you still go long. I mean, I understand it's homecoming, but um, was it worth worth the penalty? But I, I guess Sam, you had things pretty much. And I, hold on, Brian. I, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were done, Carlos. My bad. I've got to ask this. What would have happened had Grambling showed up? You know, obviously, they didn't find out till late in the week. Grambler was not coming. So what happened to the original homecoming performance? Because I'm pretty sure they had a homecoming performance already set. And then Thursday, Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, they find out, okay, Grambler wasn't coming. Okay, we taking our regular halftime show for homecoming, and we adding in our performance from whatever game three weeks ago or whatever. Who who came up with that and coordinated that and then got you know you, you had a day maybe to practice it? I'm just I'm just curious about that. You know, definitely want to hear what Kofi uh, Hemingway has to say about that or the uh, OG strike zone on this Wednesday, Brian. Uh yeah, that'll be a, a topic of conversation, I'm sure. But but and let me let me spin this forward to the Grambling side, right? I mean, it's easy for me to look at it with my orange and green and say, "Oh, that's it's our homecoming," blah blah blah. But look, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to see us be good stewards of the of the slack and and how this thing goes. Think about it if if you're the visiting team, right? These games at this point in time, every game matters, right? What what is that opposing team supposed to do when you have that kind of time? taken away from you and then you have all the other issues that went on and I mean have you seen any I mean I know you you mentioned in the break there have been issues as the home team but what about when you're the road team has the has what what has the SWAC shown any sort of I I don't know what the right word is I mean it would just seem like is there an etiquette there (laughs) or some sort of uh when you're the road team what's the expectation what what do you deal with? Because if I'm grambling, I'm grambling. I'm like, I never want to go to FAMU again for homecoming. I, I, if I'm Fobbs or whoever the administration is at grambling, I'm like, don't you ever schedule us for your homecoming again. I never want to do it. I, so, I, Carlos, what, what's your take on, as you just see, that the etiquette of these SWAT games and homecomings and so on and so forth? I'm going to go back and say it again. I, I think if you have a time set aside, I think it would have been, even if Grandma Band didn't show up, I think 20 minutes would have been the proper time for uh, the Rattlers Band to be on on the field. And as I look back on some of the performances and some of the bands that have come into A.W. Mumford Stadium, once again, if you have rules and protocol, you should follow 10 minutes, 10 minutes for the home team. And, and and speak of the home band. And, and speaking of uh, the band and, and, and situations, I never forget my uh, first time in Bragg Stadium. 
which was many moons ago. I want to say 1993, maybe 19. It was in the nineties. You might have saw me there then. <laughs> yeah, but 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 the funny thing was, it was um, FAMU's homecoming, and Southern Band was there, and they performed on the field. But when they performed, their seats were filled in by crowd by the crowd. <laughs> and, they, and they had to literally um, get the fans out of the yeah. seat so the band could come back in to their to their seats. And by the way, that was a uh, Southern team that was undefeated, came in and they lost 33-3 to FAMU. That 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 whole that whole situation that should have let me know something was going to – it was going to be a bad omen for the rest of uh, that game. But, yeah, stick stick to the protocol, stick to the rules. And and, and FAMU got – am I getting this right? They got 30 minutes, right? 30 I, minutes for I the promise, band I promise you it was 30, 30 minutes on the clock. They got 30. It took 35. Is that what you're saying, Brian? <laughs> I, yeah, no, no. no they, they, they should have – they shouldn't have uh, went over the time because they, they got 10 extra minutes. I understand this homecoming. But uh, you know, uh, again, let, let, I, let's follow I, the proper protocol. The the rest of the swag should be very weary uh, and and be on be nervous about being FAMU's homecoming opponent. I, I'm just saying that now. You you don't want to be FAMU's homecoming opponent because just expect a chaotic scene. Uh, it just Same won't be like things. anything else. Yeah, it won't be like anything else that you deal with. Uh, so I don't know if that's uh, I don't know if that's just the nature of the beast. I don't know if that reflects poorly on game day operations, I, I, but I'm just saying I, I wouldn't want to be that guy or team, put it like that. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, Brian, I've got to say this. I know FAMU's band can do it and get it done within the uh, proper amount of time, even when a curveball is thrown at them, because I remember the infamous incident two years ago when A&T and FAMU had to cross at halftime because they, the the feet, the teams are on one side, but when you go to the field house, the locker rooms are on the opposite side of the uh, field house, which means they had to cross each other and, and we had the Still incident. That Still that way. The band had to wait until they cleared the field before they could come on. The clock never stopped. They did what they had to do. The 100 did what they had to do and still got off in time. Presentations that would have normally been on the field were done on the sideline. And there was some, whoever was in charge then made a base of on the fly adjustments and got everything handled within the 20 minutes that was uh, allotted at that game. Yeah. And, and remember, AMT's band didn't make that trip. So that should be noted. The anti band did not make the trip. Uh, hey, the common just, denominator. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Just, no, well, I was uh, just just so you know, Carlos. It is still up in the air as to whether the hundred will be coming to Baton Rouge. Uh, it, they are fundraising to see whether they can make the trip. So I'll just kind of leave that out there, and that'll be known probably in the next 48 hours to see whether the hundred makes the trip to Baton Rouge. So. Um, I, I hope they do, because if if you are if you love hearing and watching the bands, 
And, you know, family was an outstanding band along with the jukebox and the sonic boom of the South. I hope they make it because true fans of, of, of the bands, they want to see how each band, you know, measures up. Not only there's a battle on the field, but there's also a battle in the, in the stands and at halftime. So I, I'm hoping they, they'll be able to make it. Well said. Well, y'all right. beat us in the stands. Don't worry about that. Uh-oh. On the field, a different story, A.D.? On the field, a different story. You know, the 100 is the standard on the field. You know. They're not really 100 members. The, no, the, 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 I, I, I will admit this. The 100 does have to get their stand performance up to SWAT standards. But on the field, we'll, we'll take on anybody on the, on the turf. That sounds like a good challenge. I, I hope they're able to make it. I, I agree with you on that. All right. Hey, thank you for taking a little bit of extra time, Carlos, to uh, talk with us. Make sure you check out the Carlos Brown Show uh, Saturday afternoon, 11 a.m. Central. That's noon Eastern, uh, right on the block, right here on the Black College Sports Network. And then make sure to follow Carlos on Twitter and Instagram at the Carlos Brown Show. Uh, all right, Carlos, have a good week. Enjoy the victory. And, uh, Hey, here come the Rattlers, baby. Get ready. Bad Rouge, get ready. Here come the orange and green. Yeah, I'm going to put in the call of Courtney Gauthier in about a few minutes. All right. Well, we'll take, take a care. final break after these words. You're watching the BCSN Sports Rap. Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Um, can I get the now bar, please? One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Got it. Itchy, squirmy, scratchy, family not getting clean. Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get him. It just cleans better with a diamond weave texture. Your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, clean bottom. (laughs) (laughs) We all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. 
Let's put a bow on this. Let's kind of just quickly go through some of the standings just to let people know kind of where things are uh, over in the SWAC. Uh, it is still Jackson State in the conference at 5-0 and after uh, their fifth consecutive win. Tight contest against Mississippi Valley State. Uh, they are 5-0. and FAMU sitting at 4-1. and Really, that's what it comes down to in the East. Jackson State again with the uh, – so essentially Jackson State would have to lose twice on their final three contests in order for FAMU to even have an opportunity. Prairie View A&M, a little separation. They're in the West sitting at 5-0 and uh, after Alcorn's loss. That game between Prairie View and Alcorn looms very large. Uh, when is that game? Two weeks. Two weeks. That's a big contest. But neither team can look too far ahead. Prairie View has Alabama State this week, and Alcorn travels to Bethune. That should be that should be really interesting. Uh, over in the MEAC, um, what do we have? Over in the MEAC, 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 MEAC. Uh, big win for South Carolina State over North Carolina Central, 27-24. The big game upcoming this weekend will be, um, let's see, the Norfolk State-North Carolina Central game will probably be the big contest for uh, this upcoming weekend as Norfolk State still stands out. Uh, they're in control of their own destiny there. Over in the CIAA, it's already been determined, Bowie State, Winners of the North for the third consecutive year. Fayetteville State, winners of the South for the fourth consecutive year. So we'll get Bowie State versus uh, Fayetteville State, number three. Third time third time the charm for Fayetteville State, Drew? We don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, over in the SIC, uh, Albany State had a bit of a scare from Morehouse. Morehouse. 14 to 10, uh, Albany State with a 14 to 10 win over Morehouse, probably a lot closer <laughs> than what people thought. Um, so, still, Albany State's in control. Uh, I think they just have to win one more contest, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, this upcoming weekend, they play Fort Valley. So, they just really need to, well, actually, it shouldn't be sealed up, right, Drew? Because even if they lose, they would own the tiebreaker over Savannah State, correct? Albany State's won. Albany okay. State has the East. Okay, so now here's now the, the West. That's a different. That's a different story. Okay, here's how it stands right now, according to the standings. Miles is in first place with a three and two record in the conference. Kentucky State also at three and two. Lane is at three and two. And Miles would own the tiebreaker against both of those if it's a three-way tie because Miles defeated both head-to-head. Let's go. 
Both of my great-grandfathers have been a part of that study. My roots in environmental health come from my great-grandfathers. They were sharecroppers, and then later they were able to own land for their family for generations to come. My ancestors' connection to the land has given me a strong care for our environment and how that environment influences human health. I am a fierce advocate for equitable treatment for all. The ways in which COVID-19 ravaged Black communities show that we have underlying vulnerabilities when something like a pandemic hits. The path from tragedy to triumph travels along the path of learning. Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. We are back here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. AD Drew here. Brian Fulford got disconnected, so I will continue the conversation. Just wanted to bring out the fact that Langston, the number one team in the BCSN rankings, lost on Saturday. So Langston has dropped two, seven, and one. Quickly, we're going to go over the Newest Black College Sports Network rankings here here on the on the uh, BCSN. We will start with the under the under the one. You're you're obviously with the loss of blanks. We're going to have a new number one team coming in at the hunt. You are going to be Shaw six and three, seven hundred thirty one points. Lanes also at 63, 756 points. Coming in at number five, your number five team is going to be Savannah State. They 72 record, 842 points. Coming in at number four with a 71 record, 896 points. Fayetteville State. Coming in at number three, your Langston 
Your Langston Lions, our former number one team, 71 record, 981 points. Coming in at number two with the eight and one record, the winners of the CIAA North, 1,102 points, Bowie State Bulldogs, and your new number one team in the BCSM rankings are going to be the Golden Rams from Albany State University. Albany State comes in with the eight and one record, 1,120 points. Quickly switching over to the to the Division One teams. Your team that is in the hunt is at, with a 5-3 record. Tennessee State. Tennessee State just outside of the top five here at the Black College Sports Network, 588 points. Coming in at number five, still in the top five, despite the loss this past weekend, Alcorn State University, five and three records, 628 points. Coming in at number four with a 62 record, 729 points, it's going to be Florida A&M University. Coming in at number three, 805 points. 62 record, Norfolk State University. Coming in at number two with a six and one record, 855 points. Our former number one team, Prairie View AM. I think the bye week hurt Prairie View AM. Coming in at number one, number one in everyone else's polls, ranking. They're now number one here at the Black College Sports Network, 900 points even. Seven and one record, struggled a little bit against Mississippi Valley State, but they did get the W, and that's all that matters. Uh, it's Jackson State, as they continued their revenge tour throughout the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Looking forward to a potentially great matchup in the SWAC championship game if things play out between Jackson State and Prairie View, but they've got to take care of business first. Remember, follow us here on the Black College Sports Network. You can catch us on all social media by using the hashtag, excuse me, using the handle at mybcsn and the number one. That's mybcsn and the number one. One, whatever you do, please like, subscribe, share, download, and donate. We need to get the algorithms up, not only for this podcast, but for any podcast that supports HBCU athletics. And we definitely want you to donate, donate, and donate. We don't ask for a whole lot, cup of coffee, a few dollars here by bcsn.com backslash support if you would like to donate to the Black College Sports Network. My partner Brian Fulford had a little bit of internet issues where he was at. So uh, Brian, get that, get that internet handled. You know, we'll catch you next time. You can catch him on every Wednesday right here on the Black College Sports Network on the ONG Strike Zone with Kelvin Rozier and Kofi Hemingway. That's right here, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Black College Sports Network. So, 
want to thank Carlos Brown for joining us, uh, staying around for a segment and a half of the Carlos Brown Show and L.A. Bachelor. First time here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. Hope that it is not his last one. Thank you, L.A., for joining us also. So for Brian Fulford, Carlos Brown, L.A. Bachelor, this is A.D. Drew. We want to thank you for joining us here on the of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Go out, like, subscribe, share, and follow. Once again, thank you for being here with us on the on the Sports Wrap. We will see you next Sunday right here at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the BCSN Sports Wrap. Peace out, everyone. Holla at you. But you know, you stay on hard.